five, four, three, two, one, and we are live. Alice Living, welcome to the North Avenue Show. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us, we'll go back kind of to the beginning. Sure. So tell me about when the personal training career started. Oh, okay. That's sort of like halfway through. So um, I grew up in Buckinghamshire. In uh, um, just outside of London, and I always wanted to be a dancer from when I as far back as I remember, and not even just a dancer, but I wanted to be in musicals. I was obsessed with musicals, um, and I went to school. Um, my parents massively advised me against going into a career in theatre because they were very much of the mindset that it was a very uncertain career choice. You never knew when you were going to get a job. It was very competitive. Um, and I listened to them to a certain degree. I stayed at school because I re- I was desperate to go to theatre school. And um, they said, no, stay at school, get your, get your grades, get your education. And then if you want to, then you can go on to theatre school. So I did and I did well at school and I enjoyed it. Um, but uh, when I came to the end of my kind of um, uh, uh, sick form experience, so years 11 and 12, I, oh no, no years 12 and 13, sorry. Um, I really, really still had that passion to want to go into theatre. And I felt like it was my only opportunity to really pursue a career that I was passionate about you know all of my friends were talking about going to uni and studying all of these things and I did actually apply to um, university and got a place at Southampton to study history but I just like my heart wasn't in it and so I remember I was like sat at a lunch with my parents and I just started crying and I was like I can't do this I'm like I have to pursue what I want to do and at that point my mom was like look we fully support you I can see how much it means to you um, so I did so I left um, left sort of uh, my place at university, took a year out. Um, my mum said, if you're going to take a gap year, you've got to earn some money. So I got a job. Um, I had actually worked pretty much all of my, since I was 16, but um, I got a job at a pharmaceutical company where I was like a, uh, a filing girl. <laughs> I literally sat in like a dark room for a year, just filing stuff. At least you did something though. Yeah, exactly. But at least I earned money and I started to appreciate the value of money. And um, I really gained confidence during that year, just having a job. Um, but at the same time, I was uh, training, I was having singing lessons and I was um, pr- uh, preparing myself to audition for theatre schools. So that came around and um, eventually I got a place at somewhere called Bird College, which is a really prestigious um, dance college. I heard of it. Um, And so I ended up going there. I did a three-year degree in musical theatre. And then in my third year, I I, um, got an agent at our agent showcase, which is really um, kind of quite an exciting thing. And then um, quite soon after that, I got my first job, which was in the UK tour of Annie, the musical. So left you. That sounds exciting. Yeah. So left left college early. Actually, I missed my graduation, which I was gutted about. Um, but because I got a job, it was like this is amazing, and it all seemed so easy. Um, but the personal training thing came in a little bit later. So um, alongside all of this stuff, particularly when I was at uni, I started blogging um, and using social media mainly, um, particularly Instagram, to document what I felt was a healthy lifestyle change. I felt like I. I had completely lost control of my diet and my eating habits and I wanted to regain that control and I used Instagram as a way of documenting that and as a kind of almost a food journal so I was taking pictures That's of food yeah 
do you know what? It, it wasn't really because it was a private thing first off. And then as soon as I saw other people doing it, I wanted to interact with them. And I was, there was sort of a community growing of, of people doing similar things. So I, I made it a public thing. And um, I guess it was to a certain extent, but it was also really helpful in my own journey. And I found it really beneficial. Um, but yeah, I had started this blog and that had for whatever reason, um, when I came to the end of my university career, that was such a, that such a really take off. So I had like quite a few thousand followers. And um, when I started my um, career in the show, um, I was approached by uh, like talent management who said this, like, there's a really good thing going on here. We think you could do a book. Obviously, I was like, no way. Like I'm on my, I'm on my, like this amazing career journey. I've suddenly got the job of my dreams. I'm like performing in 10 shows a week. Like, I don't want to do a book. Um, but the seed had been planted and it took a different talent agent to come back, a woman called Carly Cook, who is amazing. And um, she basically had said, look, I really think you should do a book. I'll I'll help you with it. I'll be there every step of the way. I'll liaise with the publishers. I've got all these contacts. And um, yeah, from there, I started um, writing my first book, which was The Body Bible, um, which went on to be a Sunday Times bestseller. Yes, and... Do you think it was after you wrote that book that your career actually started to skyrocket? Um, I never think there's a start and an end to success. I think everything that you're doing is a building block in in, in leading you to a certain point. I think that like even talking about the stuff that I did where I was working in a pharmaceutical company as a filing person, whilst that wasn't like the, the commencement of, I guess, a successful period, that was a really... A uh, key point where, which lay the foundations of me appreciating the, the value of hard work, realizing that there are people from all different backgrounds out there. You know, I'd come from a very, very sheltered, very uh, white middle class upbringing, and suddenly I was being exposed to lots of different different ways of living, lots of different types of people, and it was really important in making me appreciate that, like just the, the wider world out there. So I think often people say, oh, what was that turning point? Or what was the thing that was like the catalyst to your success? I don't necessarily believe in those things. I believe in like you putting good out into the world repetitively and working hard and doing good things. And at some point that will come good. Yeah. Um, I think we might actually have kind of contrasting opinions here because I'm of the belief that you put in so much hard work, produce content, endeavor, whatever, that you eventually come to this stage of critical mass. And when you reach that point, just things start to take off. Did you not find that at all? Was there any specific time you said, right, things are really starting to happen here. Things are really starting to move. I think there was definitely the risk factor of ending my contract in the show which came to a natural end it was a year contract so the show only ran for that period of time and deciding that I wasn't going to audition for other jobs and being and sort of saying to myself right this is going really well my book I think I finished the show in the April and my book came out in the May so I knew knew that I had like a really busy period coming up Um, and so I said to myself I'm not gonna take you know I'm not gonna take another job I'm gonna focus on this other career. Uh, I do think that was a risk and it was a point at which I I appreciated that this was actually a career rather than just being a hobby because it had been a hobby for a, for a very, very long time up until that point. Um, so I guess that in a way, but... Um, no, I, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. And tell me about your first experience as personal training. What was your first job? What was your first week? Uh, so I qualified as a PT while I was on the show and then when I finished... Um, the show, I I realized that whilst I did have a really busy few months 
coming up with publishing the book and all that came along with that, I also knew that I didn't want to be sat twiddling my thumbs because I had downtime. So I got a job at a gym called uh, Lomax in Chelsea. Um, it's actually now closed, sadly, but um, it was uh, quite an interesting boutique concept, which had a pod style system where you had your own pod and you had equipment within that in which you could train a client. And I started to build my client base from there. So I had um, all different sorts of clients, um, mainly women. Um, and I think what was really interesting was during that time, I I really appreciated the value of um spending time on the gym floor and having one-to-one FaceTime with clients, um, appreciating that I was at the very start of my personal training journey, that there was still so much that I had to learn. Um, I think a lot of people pass their level three PT qualification. They're like, I've made it, I'm done. I know everything. And actually like I was completely the opposite. It was almost like that Dunning-Kruger effect where you you reach that point and then you suddenly realize, oh my God, I've got so much more that I've got to learn. And there is so much that I need to catch up on. And I would think really that's kind of spurred my my passion to, to, to continually learn. I think I'm very hungry to to retain and to and to expand my knowledge in lots of different areas, but particularly within my my career, it's really important for me. So, um, making sure that I'm constantly doing CPD um, and just attending seminars, engaging with other professionals in the business who I admire, um, has always been something that I've seen as really important. And what I like about you and your brand, Alice is that you come from a very neutral and relatable point of view because there's so much fake it till you make it style people on Instagram. I think there's so much capacity and room for authenticity. Mm. And just moving on, I know your your Instagram speaks for itself. You've 635,000 followers mm. and you put up so much great content. But just talking about the platform itself, do you think you got on at the right time? Because I know... There is algorithm problems and restrictions with Instagram now. So do you think you got on the right time? Because people aren't really getting the same reach they used to before. Well, I think naturally as the platform has grown, the opportunity to reach as many people has decreased. So it's not necessarily that Instagram is, is, you know, putting out any sort of restrictions. I think it's just the platform has naturally boomed. I think there's like um, 80 million posts something I can't um, a year or something crazy or 80 million users I can't remember what the stat is I had a meeting at Instagram actually a couple of weeks ago and um, it's actually absolutely you're right like I came in at a time when there was far fewer users and so it was much easier for people to be able to engage with your content Um and it has meant that like I've had to evolve with the platform and I've had to um, evolve with the adaptations. You know, if you look at things like IGTV and stories, those never existed when I started. So it's really been kind of um, a learn on the job uh, um, few years. But you still went and did it. A lot of people were came up in right times on Instagram and they just didn't put in the same effort, but you still gave it the commitment. Yes. And I think underlying that is a few things. And you talk about authenticity and I think it's a really interesting word because... Everyone wants to be authentic, but what actually is authentic? Um, and it becomes um, a bit of a gray area as in like to what actually is authentic. And obviously that will mean different things to different people too. But what I think has spurred me to continue with all the stuff that I do online is that underlying 
you know, the fact that, yes, I've got loads of followers and it's great and it is, you know, it's great and it's great fun and it, it comes with its pros and its cons. But underlying all of that is the fact that I, I feel as though I have a, 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 a deep core message that I want to put out there, that I have a passion, I have knowledge within a certain space and credibility within a sp- certain space to share information on that. Um, that will add value to people's lives. Um, it's not, and it never has been about me. And actually I've really tried recently to more transition away from being me, 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 which social media can feel like sometimes and more about, well, what can I give you guys? What can I give someone that's really going to add value to their lives? That's really going to inspire or motivate or educate. Um, because then I feel more fulfilled in my content creation. I have to say, I really enjoyed that answer because you know to build a brand for yourself you do really have to give 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 and not just talk about as you said me 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 so moving back well back when you were 15 16 you had a fairly tough and abusive relationship yes you think that helped trigger your success uh yes it's definitely made me a feisty individual um who absolutely knows their worth and their value that they can add to the world. Um, I think when your confidence is knocked down to lower than low and you never feel as though you can come back from that, when you then eventually do, it's the most empowering thing in the world. And I think I've always been someone that's loved to prove people wrong. And I think that was a prime example of how I was really changed as a person. I definitely suffered from PTSD. I definitely had a lot of trauma that I had to unpick from that experience. But ultimately, yes, you're right. Has that shaped who I am today and made me a more resilient individual? Yes, absolutely. Um, And I always think, going back to what we were talking about earlier, our past definitely shapes who we are. And like it or not, sometimes bad stuff is sent and happens to us. And there's nothing we can do about the time. And it's obviously deeply traumatic and painful, but even more rewarding to then come out the other side, a stronger and more uh, um, confident individual. And I feel like everything I do now, particularly my work with Women's Aid, um, who are an amazing charity, and just how I use my platform, hopefully to empower women and to... um, discuss things like healthy relationships in young people which is seriously important um and to talk about my experiences in a way that is that helps other people understand that some things are really aren't normal in relationships and also um that they can appreciate that someone anyone can go through something like that that it doesn't matter who you are where you're from how old you are whatever anyone can can find themselves in a in a quite tricky spot and for teens who maybe are struggling with relationship Mm. male and female but it seems to happen to female a lot more than male Mm -hmm. where can those people go to get help or how did you escape the trap uh well my mine was a difficult situation in that it ended in an assault while I was at school, which meant that I had to go to court. Um, so mine was kind of ended for me. Um, but I think for those that, I mean, it's really difficult. Abuse is a very tricky, complicated thing. A lot of people won't realize sometimes that they are in an abusive relationship. And I certainly didn't for a long time because you are like beaten down to mentally and physically 
to feeling so low and so lacking in confidence and lacking in um like just knowing who you are and you trusting your own judgment um that you believe you deserve what you're getting and it's and it's the there's a really interesting kind of like it, now when I think about the psychology behind it it always starts very small and it's really important that teenagers are aware of those small um, things so that they can kind of catch it before it gets any worse so that's things like being overly controlling so checking people's social media checking people's phones wanting to know where you are all the time questioning behaviors um just the language that they sometimes use you know putting people down constantly um it's just a way of of undermining someone's confidence and making them think that they are aren't good enough in some way um i think the control thing is massive as well and it's that psychological manipulation that can trick someone into into being uh, behaving differently to what they think they would you know I on paper would have never have imagined myself to be in the situation that I was you know I was in my head a smart intelligent confident girl that was you know at a really good school that was doing really well that came from a loving family and yeah it happened to me and um, I guess everybody is of the mindset that it's never going to be me of course and it's because it happened slow and small you know it was like small things started to happen that you let slide and oh you know that's just him and it he must care so much about me or he must be really he must really love me because he shows up everywhere I am and he's always messaging me and he checks my phone all the time and then those small things then slowly slowly trickle into bigger things and then it's like the first time they hit you and the way that it's done means that you just start to forgive things that you would have never have forgiven before because you're just not in the same headspace and so it's really difficult. So I think for girls and boys that would find themselves in, I guess, their first relationships and starting to understand and explore what that's like, just knowing that there are a couple of red flags. Um, the control is one of them. Um, if at any time they just don't feel comfortable, knowing that that's totally okay to walk away from that. Um, making sure that you have a good support network around you. You know, the, the, the stupidest thing I did was that I'd never reached out to anyone around me. It was, it was something that I was too scared to tell anyone about. And so if you can even just find one person that could be, you know, a teacher, a friend, a parent, a carer, whatever, just someone that you can say, you know what, like this really isn't normal and I feel like I can't get out of it. Because the difficult thing is you do feel trapped. You you are terrified of leaving because you are so scared of them and of the ramifications of what will happen if you do that you almost staying in it is better than getting out of it. Oof, we're after a few um, heartwarming moments there, Alice. I think I'm uh, think I'm going to have a drink of water because that was fairly touching. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. And the thing is, is that like trauma affects people in lots of different ways. And thankfully for me, it's really... Um, I've, I've had to deal with it in my own time and my own space and um, like there's a lot of stuff that's, that um, I've had to work through of course but now I feel like that's made me so much stronger in, in being able to talk about it really openly and honestly so that um, I can help other people. You've um, definitely helped listeners who are struggling with any problems like this and of the 14 or 15 episodes that was definitely one of the most heartwarming parts in here. Oh, thank you. 
So let's move on to more positive things. Your work with Women's Aid. Tell us all about that. Yeah. So Women's Aid is an amazing charity. Um, they are, um, I think, the UK's leading domestic abuse charity. But I'm don't don't quote me on that one. But they, um, there's someone who I reached out to about two years ago now because I felt as though um, it had come to the point where I was ready to start talking about stuff and I wanted to partner up with a charity that I wanted to also support um, when I did that because they do amazing work. You know, they are saving lives every single day, rehousing women, taking women out of the most terrifying of situations, um, campaigning for policy change in government, um, and just really making sure that they are protecting women and having, um, having that is, is, like critical to to trying to reduce the levels of um, domestic violence and abuse that we have in this country. Um, so yeah, my my role as an ambassador commenced with them. I think about two years ago, um, and it's been a total pleasure to work for them. Um, and what kind of stuff do you get up to? What have we done? We've done all sorts. Um, I visit them quite regularly. I try and go um, to the head office to just hear what they're up to, um, particularly in terms of what they get involved with with government. It's really interesting to hear some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes with that. And they do a lot of lobbying um, to try and get policies changed or, or improved um, to protect women. Um, additionally, we do events. So they had their Women's Day Gala recently in which we had... Um, uh, Mel B was the host, um, which was amazing. And we um, had like a big charity auction to raise money for them. Um, so yeah, lots of stuff. And it's a really rewarding role. I'd say unbelievably rewarding. And I've only been thinking about charities lately. And to be honest, I, it wasn't until the last year that I'd said, I'd like to set up a foundation you know, eventually, but I find that you have to give to charities that are close to you, you know, and yeah, I'm kind of passionate that it has to be close to you. I think giving to charity is one of the the most important things that you can do. I think there's something about giving back. I know that sounds really cheesy, but I do think that there's even like psychologically like just giving back to someone less fortunate than you. I think sometimes we don't check our own privilege very often that we live in this very very privileged bubble of things being quite nice and quite good and remembering that there are people out there that are in really really difficult situations um that need help and i think like being able to give back to that is is really empowering oh absolutely and let's move on alice Tell me about Give Me Strength podcast because you had a wonderful first series and you have a new series coming out. I do. I'm so excited. Yeah, so series one was amazing. We had series one, which was like my first foray into the podcast world. And I'd been really keen to do a podcast for a while, but... um. I I had sort of like I wanted to come up with the right concept I knew kind of what I wanted to do but it took me a while to f- like refine it um, but yeah so podcast one is called Give Me Strength um, and I speak to all different types of women who have found an inner resilience through finding physical strength so we had guests like Dame Kelly Holmes Dame Jessica Ennis um, we also had Gabby Logan um, but then sort of less known people who have amazing stories like um, Asma El Badawi uh, Martin right um, so people that just have really incredible stories that are kind of grounded in sport in some way um, so it was a really rewarding first series and sort of came to the end of that and was like I'm desperate to do another um, so we're now doing series two which is going to be 
version two of Give Me Strength, which is getting a serious upgrade. So we have new branding. Uh, we've got the same production team who are amazing, but um, we are just upgrading it a little bit, which is exciting. So um, we've got amazing guests lined up um, and yeah, just bringing it into the into the even, even better section. <laughs> it was great first time round, but it's always good to improve it second time. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I noticed here that you said you were improving the production will you be going into like live events do you think yeah so we've actually got plans for a couple of those already which is great um so yeah you're ticking all the boxes here alice more more to be revealed soon i can't say too much about that but it's very exciting oh for sure and i wish you the very best of luck with that and you have an event coming up soon don't you is it november december time oh so my living well event yeah so those events are um, another way in which I try and do uh, well I think something about Instagram is it's really difficult when you can't actually engage with your audience like it's through a screen it doesn't feel very personal um, and sometimes it can feel as though you're not really reaching people so actually a year ago today which is exciting um, I set up something called Living Well Events which is uh, educational events where people can come along and learn a different thing about general health and well-being so I have guests from um, I had the Gyna Geek, who's a gynecologist. I had uh, Dr. Megan Rossi, um, Rhiannon Lambert. We've had um, Dr. Joshua Woolrich. Um, I'm trying to think of who else we had. Lots of amazing people. And so November's event is with an amazing um, pelvic health physio who's called Helen Keeble. And then I have someone called Natalie Pentecoste, who is um, doing the December event and she is a performance and sleep expert so it's really great and and it's really interesting because I love interviewing people um, and I love being able to dig a little bit deeper in their chosen field and it's great for people to come along and just have like a really accessible sharing of information Um, so yeah really looking forward to that and tell us because I'm sure there's listeners who will be very interested in attending where can we get the tickets is Eventbrite or through your page yeah there's tickets on my profile so you can just click onto my Instagram and you'll see the link below brilliant brilliant and Alice you brought out a clothing line with your own branded clothing line with Premark Yes. That's a really cool branding strategy and collaboration. Tell us how that collaboration evolved. Yeah, it was a really interesting collaboration. Um, They are an amazing brand to work for as someone who is Irish as well, as you are. I'm sure you appreciate the value of pennies. (laughs) But I just love them. And um, so, yeah, so um, two years ago, we did the first collection. Last year, we did our second. And then actually, I have my third collection launching in January. Um, So we're really excited about this collection. It's got some really interesting pieces. Um, We're actually having a real focus on sustainability so we have a lot of recycled fabrics in there um, recycled plastics in a lot of the water bottles um, so it's been a real push towards going green um, Primark as a whole as a company have been having a massive push and a massive um, uh, internal kind of um, upheaval of their <clears throat> ethics and sustainability they've got an amazing woman called Catherine who um, heads up their ethics and sustainability um, team and um, we've actually done a couple of events where we've um, done sort of like a panel discussion about all of the different changes that they're making within the company um, so yeah I'm really excited about that and so yeah first ke- first collection was amazing again as with the podcast I like to do things first time second time even better and the third time is going to be even better than that so we always like to improve on what we've done before um, so yeah I'm really because I shot the campaign um, 
last week actually and so yeah that'll be out first week of jam you really are ticking all the boxes and it's not fair play and very best of luck with the new collection and we've only another few minutes to go so tell me what is what is a week like in the life of Alice living oh god no week is the same that's the thing um what have I done well I think I try and split my time between training clients which is still really important to me um doing things like like making content which sounds really dull but is really necessary so I tend to allocate at least two to four hours a week to film content and that could be anything from fitness videos to shooting pieces of content for brand partnerships to just making my own content for Instagram uh, writing captions all that kind of stuff and sorry to cut across no Alice but I just noticed from looking at your videos you tend to focus on simplicity 100% and to be honest Simplicity has kind of been forgotten about in content creation because people seem to think that complex is more sexy and it's more appealing. Yeah. And you definitely have a focus on simplicity, which I love about your content. Yeah. Well, I think that's really kind of um, how I approach fitness as well and exercise. I think we, as you say, sexy is always what people think is better, but it's probably not when it comes to fitness the basics are the basics and they're really really good um so yeah i try and um firstly understand my audience and know where they're at in terms of their abilities and i think what i do caters to that best um but also making sure that what i'm putting out into the internet doesn't uh harm anyone in a way that like you know if someone did a really crazy exercise and injured themselves i'd never be able to live with myself so i go to bed at night being um comfortable that what i'm putting out into the world is safe and effective exactly alice living we are now at the end of the show. We're out of time. I really, really enjoyed having you on the show because you talk so honestly and from the heart. And yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thanks again because I know you have a busy schedule. <laughs> and just thanks again for making the time to come in. It's my absolute pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs>